Thanks for tuning into the Life in the Front Office podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kirschman. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And thanks to Suja Organic for their support. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Excited uh, for our episode four of season three on the Ohio University Sports Administration Series, Life After Court Street. Our guest today with Martin Jarmon, Director of Athletics at UCLA, uh, along with my co-host and Laura Waters-Brown. So Martin, welcome. Oh, thanks, Jake. Good to, good to be with you. and. Uh... I like the name Life After Court Street. That that Court Street brought back memories <laughs> right there. <laughs> that's the tone for you. Oh, that's, that's so tone. funny. That's good. That's a good we'll, name. We'll give, we'll give Laura some credit for that one. Um, Laura, but, good job. That's a good name. It, mean, it means you survived. You survived and you made it. <laughs> survive in advance. Mark, you're, you're, someone, you're someone who doesn't really need an introduction, but we'll, we'll dive into your journey Um you know, starting off as a college athlete and re- really ever since uh, leaving college athletics, you, you've never really left uh, just yeah. from, from player to administrator. So uh, give give those who are listening kind of just a quick uh, GPS of your journey and um, now where you're at with UCLA. Uh, I was raised in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Uh, I'm a Sagittarius. I enjoy long walks on the beach. Uh, I went to... Uh, college at University of North Carolina, Wilmington, UNCW, and uh, played basketball there four years. Uh, junior year, we made it to the NCAA tournament for the first time in school history. We were the first, they can never take that away. Uh, and uh, that was fun. And then uh, I left UNCW and, and went to uh, Court Street, went to Ohio U, OU, oh yeah, and uh, did the dual degree program and uh, sports administration and got my MBA that first year and uh, met some wonderful people there in, in Athens, Ohio, had some great classmates that, that we're still in touch today, which is really cool. We, we have like a WhatsApp uh, group chain, you know, that, that, uh, that we're still active. So, and that's what, 20, let's see, I graduated there in 03 and it's 2020, that was 19 years ago, wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. Next year is 20 years. So, uh, so yeah, so, so then I uh, left Ohio U and went to uh, Michigan State. And uh, you want me to keep going, Jake? Just keep rolling? Hey, keep, keep rolling. But okay. all I'm going to say is, sounds like there's a 20-year reunion in the works there for hey, you. We got we to gotta figure that thing out. I just realized that. We got to figure that out. It's in <laughs> May, right? It's symposium you. still in May? Yeah. That's right. Got to figure that out. I couldn't make it last year because I, I went. We took a group of donors to the Kentucky Derby, and it was like the same time. Um, Go so. ahead and send you a calendar hold. Block it off. <laughs> I don't know Derby symposium. I don't know. Not sure. <laughs> obviously, so obviously symposium is oh. up here. Obviously. So uh, so left Ohio U and went to Michigan State University and uh, started in fundraising. Uh, kind of an intern and worked my way up was at Michigan State for seven years had a great time there learned a lot grew a lot and left Michigan State to go to the Ohio State University and uh, really 
kind of came into my own from an administrative perspective at Ohio State, learned from uh, who I think is the best AD in the country, Gene Smith, uh, who's still at Ohio State and uh, was at Ohio State for eight years. Uh, and then I was able to, uh, to get an opportunity to become an athletic director at Boston College uh, in 2017 at, at 37. Uh, became the youngest Power 5 AD in the country then and uh, had a great run on the heights. Um, you know, your leader, first leadership role, you learn a lot, um, grew a lot, had some great people there uh, that I was able to work with and, and uh, did that for three years. And after that, I was uh, afforded an opportunity to lead UCLA Athletics and become the athletic director here. Uh, been here two and a half years, and we've uh, gone through a lot. Moved during the pandemic. Uh, that was that was a challenge. Taking a new job in May of 2020 during the, the heart of the pandemic uh, was was uh, moving across the country from Boston to LA. Uh, that was that was fun and um, challenging and exciting. Uh, so that's kind of my professional journey. Um, I don't know, Jake, if I if I summed it up for you there. That, that works perfectly. I'll let Laura take the first question, though. Off so the many questions. So many questions. I think, you know, MJ, you and I have known each other for a while now. And yeah. I think, you know, I tell the story about how you got in my life together uh, my first year after my first year. You probably don't remember. But no, not at all. Literally conversation. <laughs> I call up MJ. I'm like, I'm, I'm tired of this. This this program is hard. Everything. No one, you know, the Court Street, Athens, all of the things. And MJ literally was like, gave me a two second pause and was like, so are you done? And I was like, well, okay then. And then he got me back together and I finished the program. So I've told that story many times. Um, we all need but, somebody. We all need a yeah. cheerleader. We all need a, uh, someone to pick us up. You know, we've all been there. So exactly. And that, that's the power, I think, of the, the program. And I think why we continue to tell people um, I was on campus last week or a couple of weeks ago and literally had that same conversation with them about your the change that we all have fought to see in this program. And they are they are good. The, the oh, sports industry so has some hear. really great talent coming the way, super great. Um, but, you know, you were a former college athlete. And for those who don't know, you know, MJ's got a, a nice little jumper. Um, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's got, you've got a nice little jumper. <laughs> What's it like being on the other side of the, the table now from going through college as a college athlete to now being in charge of so many? Uh, it's a blessing. I would say, first of all, this is something that uh, I take it very seriously. Uh, I know I was a student athlete and I know what my experience was like. And that's why I do this, because I want to provide, uh, do everything I can to provide a great experience for our student athletes, similar to how I had a great experience. And so when you're entrusted with uh, 25 teams, 700 student athletes, you know, you, you take that um, responsibility very seriously because I've lived it and I, and I know it and I understand it. And, uh, you know, you need a village, you know, it's like we talked about, it takes a village. You need a lot of people, not just your coach, not just your team, you know, you need administration, you need support staff. Uh, everybody has to pour into you as a student uh, to help you have the best experience possible. And so, 
um, it's an honor. You know, I, I, I love to, to, to do it. And um, yeah, you know, you just never know when you're, when you're in college, you never know that you're going to be in a position to impact uh, student athletes in a way that you were impacted. And so uh, it's something that I'm, I'm really fortunate. Martin, what's, Did you, oh, go, go ahead, Jamie. What, what's, what's the one thing as you think about your student athlete experience that is still the same today? And then the one thing that's changed the most now that you're in the seat that you are? You can't lean on NIL. Oh, what's, what's the same is, is the camaraderie, the, the fellowship, the, the love that you have for your team, your teammates. You know, that's something that, that um, whether it's a win or a loss, you're in a locker room, uh, you, you know, the bonding at practice, you know, that's the same. Uh, that, those, those, those bonds and those memories uh, that you're creating, they last a lifetime. And, and, and that's something as far as um, the, the things that you learn, trust, grit, see it through, toughness. You know, bouncing back from a loss, how do you bounce back and, and come back and, and attack that next practice, a mentality that you're forming. Um, you learn those things as a student athlete. That doesn't change. That's still the same. You know, um, you know, we we you know, we we played our rival this past weekend in a big time game and and uh, it was a it was a heartbreaking loss. And you feel for, them. you know, I feel felt for our student athletes coming off the field. And I know it, I've been there, right? I, I understand that the pain that you want something so bad, but now I gotta get back up. Now I gotta get my mind right, game right. That's what I like to say a lot of times, like mind right, game right. I can't be my best. I can't operate at the level that I need to if my mind isn't there first. And so you gotta make that shift. You gotta move on, next play, right? And, and, and how do I get back up, pick my teammates back up, pick myself back up, and get after what the goal and the mission is. So that doesn't change. That hasn't changed uh, since I've been a student athlete, current student athletes now. Uh, what has changed? Uh, <laughs> a lot, a lot. The, you know, the biggest change, I, I say social media. That's the biggest change since I was a student athlete, social media. You know, we, we had Facebook back when I was, I was a, a student athlete. Um, but the, was that, was that Facebook? Hush, Jake, Jake, stop. Hush. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, it might've might been MySpace, man. You know, uh, MySpace was definitely, it was definitely MySpace. <clears throat> no, but you know, you, you had Facebook, but, but now the pressure that student athletes are under, the scrutiny that they face, and it's instant. It is instantaneously on them. You know, from the moment that they finish listening to the coach in the locker room, they're on their phones. I mean, you, you're in there, like, and you get instant feedback. Did I did good? Did I not do good? Um, and the, the challenge is so many of us, even adults, myself, we're impacted about how people feel about us, what they say about us. You know, you're human. Um, you see NBA players. You saw KD, Kevin Durant gets you know, gets in his feelings sometimes or, or, or it becomes, it feels personal. And these are people that don't even know you. And, and so logically, it doesn't make sense to let anyone that doesn't know me, that's not my friends or my family have an impact on how I feel about myself or my performance, but we're all human and it matters. 
And so that's the biggest thing, because when I was a student athlete, you know, you had your, your mama, your daddy, your uncle, somebody to talk to you after the game and then your teammates. And that was it. Now you have thousands that are judging you, evaluating you, critiquing you. And most of the time on social, people are more negative than positive. So you see the negative. Um, that's the biggest change. And that's that's the one that, you know, we got to help our students figure that piece out and, and mental health. You know, it all goes together. How I view myself, how I feel about myself, uh, what I think, that, that all plays a role that I think is very different for student athletes now than, than even, you know, I say five, seven years ago. It's just, it's just the scrutiny is, is really, really at a big time level. That's amazing. And I think, you know, one of the things um, that you do so well is you're very hands-on and very involved in the day-to-day, but also with the student athletes, making sure that they know who you are and that you're not somebody just kind of in this office. Can you talk a little bit about the importance or the reason why you manage the way that you manage? I think you have to meet people where they are. Uh, Any effective leader, any true a uh, person that cares about the people they serve, you have to meet people where they are. And that includes communicating with people where they are. And as, as, a, and as, a, as an athletic director, we serve many constituents. You know, I, before I got to this meeting, I was meeting with uh, a donor um, that uh, is trying to help us. And that's gonna be a different communication style than after the game, you know, I was DMing with our quarterback and telling him, hey, man, hang in there. He, he, he left it all out on the field. And I wanted to make sure he knew that, that I love him, I support him. And, and he was in the arena. I talked about the man in the arena. Most people will not know how that young man felt and what he's got to deal with, but just know um, that I get it, I understand. So, um, so from going from a meeting, you know, a business meeting to DMing on Instagram, it's all meeting people where they are. And so I think, uh, to be an effective leader, you've just got to be able to, to navigate and, and create um, a level of communication that's very direct and very personal to the people that we serve. So that's, that's why I do it. Um, I think, you know, leadership is a contact sport. It's, it's you got to get in the weeds. You got to get in. What is the best way to communicate with Jake? What is the best way to connect with Laura? Is it to talk about court streets? Is it to talk about, uh, I'm not gonna say any memories on Court Street, but you know, like that, that's, that's the thing, you know, how do I connect? And so leadership is connection. Leadership is love um, and leadership is time. You know, I like to say, you know, how do you spell love? T-I-M-E is time. You gotta give your time to the things that you love. And so uh, that's, I think communication and meeting people where they are is really important. Oh. You know, MJ, you've talked a lot about, you know, your leadership style. You can definitely hear the passion for people in your voice and kind of your approach to how you live your life day to day. Um, Where does that come from? My mama. My mama uh, and my dad. You know, I had great parents, have great parents. Uh, My mom has passed. My dad is um, still active helping me, but, you know, I had a really good foundation. Um, you know, life is not easy. Things are not easy. 
if it's something worthwhile, it's going to be hard. And uh, you got to see it through. You got to hold on to that rope when, when others are, are letting go. And uh, my mom and my dad instilled a, a resiliency, a grit uh, within me. And, um, you know, everything's got to be earned. Nothing is given. I really believe that. And that's the mentality that I have. You know, you got to earn it every day. I got to show you every day. I got to bring it every day. Um, so you know what time it is. And um, I don't take that for granted. And, uh, you, you know, you just got to be uh, humble from the standpoint that um, this is all God given. This isn't this isn't something that is a mandate that I'm supposed to be doing what I'm doing. You know, this is something you got to work for every day. You got to prove it every day. And you have to have that mentality um, or, or else, you know, you're, you're going to you're going to fall uh, and it's OK to fall. You, everybody falls. But, you know, you got to get back up and uh, and have a level of see it through that. Uh, that's really important. And I know uh, you mentioned this earlier, but as I'm looking at your screen and people can't see it, um, but you've got an amazing mantra quote on your wall about the man in the arena. I don't want to assume everybody knows what that is, but clearly it's something that's extremely important to you. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So behind my desk, I have uh, on my wall, the poem from, uh, it's not a poem. It's, it's a saying from a speech from Theodore Roosevelt. And it's called the man in the arena. And uh, I've, I've had this in my office ever since I became an athletic director uh, and assumed that leadership role at Boston College. I had it uh, put on my wall there. I have it on my wall here at UCLA. Uh, and it just reminds me and it reminds people that, that are in my office. Um, you know, no one is walking in my shoes. And, and when you're the, the, the man or the woman in the arena, um, there's a level of challenge and a level of... Um, scrutiny and and just things that happen that people will not understand and it's it's all about having that that grit to to see it through to to know that I'm going to face things that others may not face I'm going to go through things that others may not go through I, I'm the person in the arena though and I have to have a confidence in myself I'm a big believer bet on myself you know I, I know what I can do. I'm confident in my abilities, um, but it's going to be lonely. Leadership is lonely. That's what the man in the arena reminds me. You know, don't, don't think that you're going to go through things and have a lot of people that can empathize with you. That's not the deal. You got to have an inner, uh, inner light, an inner self-awareness, uh, inner toughness to be able to overcome and move past some of the things that you face in a, in a, in a leadership role. And so I like to have the man in the arena behind me because it just re it reminds me that, hey, you know what? Nobody's walking in my shoes. Uh, I got to rely on myself. I got to bet on myself and um, and I'm going to do it and I'm going to be all right. You know, uh, that's that's why I have it. Martin, when, when you talk about leadership being lonely, when you start your journey out and you think back to your time at Michigan State and Ohio State, and you learned from those other leaders, did you get the sense that leadership was lonely? But secondly, no. <laughs> you, well, no, you think you think leadership is easy. You watch, you watch people do it, and you're like, oh, I know I can do what, what she does, or I can do what he does. And then you get it, you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's different. How do you how do you learn from others along the way about that to best prepare yourself for the position that you're in? Is it 
other ADs? Is it other business people that are in leadership? Like who are those people that you look to learn from now that you are in the seat that you're at today? I think the best way to, is to learn from other leaders and also to just go through it. You know, I, I can tell you, I picked up so many things, um, whether it was Mark Hollis at Michigan State as the athletic director, uh, Gene Smith, obviously learned a lot. And, and uh, Jamie Dimon, I was at a talk that Jamie Dimon from J.P. Morgan Chase spoke at that, you know, he talked about not making major decisions on Friday because I've given you everything I've got all week. And by Friday, mentally and emotionally, I'm not as sharp as I was earlier in the week. And so I don't want to make major decisions. And I, and I, I subscribe to that. I don't make major decisions on Friday because I heard a talk and him talk about it. You know, you, you are, you're exhausted Friday. If you've given everything you've gotten Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So you pick up things, you pick up things from different leaders, different people. You know, Gene Smith was very comfortable in his own skin. You know, he was one of the first leaders that I saw that didn't come to a meeting in a business suit all the time. You know, he might come in a Tommy Bahama and some flip-flops. But what I learned is like, that's who he is. And he is his best when he is his authentic self. And it's hard to be authentic when you are not being yourself and you're not comfortable. So now that's why I'm in um, a vest hoodie talking to you because this is what I'm comfortable in. I, I didn't feel like dressing up, right? And, and so you gotta learn what is it gonna be? How am I gonna be my best self? Uh, because that's, that's the only way that I know that I can give you my best, my teammates, my staff, uh, the people I serve. So I think you gotta learn from leaders throughout all, all walks of life, but in particular the people around you um, you know, I think you try to seek out someone that's, that, that you think is really good and you just, you pick their brain and you, and you watch and observe and you, and you learn how they move. When you, when you think about your leadership style and then you've got effectively what, 25 leaders alongside you, right. That are all leading teams and. Oh yeah. About 22, I think, but 20, yeah. 22, I should say. Right. But, but depending <laughs> on the school that you've been at right? You've now had hundreds of other leaders that you've worked with on a daily basis. Talk a little bit about the mindsets that those coaches have, those leaders have that maybe you've adopted a little bit and shared some best practices. Yeah, well, when you talk about mindset, there's, there's one thing that comes to mind. And this is something that, that I've talked about uh, ever since I got to UCLA, but it's, it's elite, having an elite mindset. And that stands for energy, leadership, integrity, toughness, and excellence. And that's not wins and losses. That's a mindset every day that you bring, having an elite mindset, have energy and passion, enthusiasm for, for the work that we do. Leadership doesn't start with others. It starts with yourself. I got to make sure I get my workout in. What's it going to take for me to be my best version of myself? Integrity, not skirting the rules, always going to do things the right way and represent the right way. Toughness, we talked about toughness, have a level, see it through, grit. Hold on when others let go. And then excellence, there's a standard. Always know there's a standard, that's excellence. And that's something that we have to be accountable for and make sure we achieve and, and, and surpass. So, so I, I talk about elite. I think that's really important to have an elite mindset. And I've, I've learned you know, from so many different coaches and leaders, some of the things that make them very successful. And you just try to take a little bit from here or there from, from all of them. What's been the biggest difference as you've gone from Big Ten to ACC to Pac-12, where 
you're constantly in different cultures, different parts of the country, right? You're learning about how people do business differently. Uh, for you and being in the college athletic space this entire time in your career, what's been the biggest difference, whether it's, you know, a, a school that's more focused on, you know, one part of academics versus another based on where they are in the country, et cetera? Well, the first thing that came to mind is the money. I mean, it, you know, resources, you, you only can do as much as your resources allow for you to do. That's just a fact, and at least in college athletics. And so, um, you know, what you learn is there are a lot of things you'd like to do, but do you have the resource base to do it? And then if you don't have, the, or if you do have the resources, do you have the political will to be able to do it? Um, that's, that's something that I think is very different among all those conferences you just mentioned. Uh, but also too culturally, you know, you learn to adapt and be nimble. Um, I think I'm actually fortunate that I've been in the Big Ten, in the ACC, now in the Pac-12, uh, because you learn from each of them. You know, you, you learn um, in the Big Ten, there's certain ways that they do things that, in an equitable way that makes sense that impact the greater good. And then in the ACC, you, you learn um, how they do certain things and, and care about the student athlete experience uh, in a way that uh, is remarkable. And then you come to the Pac-12 and you learn some of the things that they do in diversity, equity, inclusion, and how they're at the forefront of, of certain uh, initiatives that really shine a light on some of, the, some of the great student athletes and some of the things that, that we're trying to be a leader in, um, in the country and culturally. That's really great. So you take from all of those different experiences and it allows you to sit at a table and, and have a perspective that is colored um, not by one lens, but three different lenses. And so I, I think it's a blessing that I've been able to be in those conferences because it does give me a, pers a varied perspective about what I feel uh, works really well and then some things that don't work as well. As we wrap up the episode, I want you to take yourself back to 22-year-old self, Martin, right? Uh, graduated, you know, graduated, going to OU, thinking about what, you know, career is going to be like, what do I want to do when I grow up, right? You know, kind of the cliche. When you think about where you are now, what would you have told yourself then? And then secondly, you know, a lot of people will say, well, what do you want to do? Oh, I want to be an AD, right? And, and what an AD does now is certainly different than what an AD did when you were probably coming up through the ranks. Um, and we'll get to that in a second of, of what does being an AD entail now uh, and how do you get yourself there? I would tell my 22 year old self, be patient. You know, be patient. Um, the younger you are, you want it right now. You know, we, we, we live in a world that is just, we want instant gratification. We want to see it pay off, the work pay off instantly. Takes time, uh, be patient. Um, and also too, I would just say, believe in yourself, you know, believe in yourself. Um, I think as you navigate different situations, different challenges, you have to have a core confidence. Uh, you have to have a, a firm belief that, um, you're doing the right thing and that things are going to work out, um, in the way that, that is favorable to what you're trying to accomplish. You, you just... You got to believe because there's not going to be, there are going to be challenges and, op and, and opportunities in the same way, but there's going to be times where 
you know, you look to your left and your right and nobody's there. It's, it's you. You got to look within. And that's what I would tell my 22 year old self is you got to you, you that has served you well, trusting your gut, believing in yourself, having an inner confidence, a core confidence. You got to you got to hold on to that, man. You got to stay, stay close to that uh, and be in tune with that, because that's what's going to serve you well as you move forward. And then when you think about the AD seat that you're in now and how you got there, right? Mm -hmm. Fundraising has kind of typically been that, hey, you go down the, you know, the development path, you eventually get there, right? As you continue to, to gain responsibility. What is that seat like now, now that you're in it and the different routes that have been created uh, within college athletics? Well, I, I think there's more routes now that you can, you can get into college athletics, you know, uh, Back in the day, it used to be the old coach, you know, you coach for a long time, then you you move over to the administration uh, seat, you know, uh, then there was a while where it was just fundraising and external. And, you know, now because the, the issues are so complex now, you're talking about legal, you know, so compliance background is helpful. Law degree, that's helpful. Um, CFO, finances, financial, uh, that's really helpful. Budget management, uh, cost containment, you know, you're dealing with um, so many different things that I do think that there are other paths now that you can ascend to an AD chair if that's something that you choose to do. I think for young people, especially, the most important thing is to find something that you're really good at. Find something that you're good at. You know, I don't think you need to chase, well, I know fundraisers get to become ADs, or I know this group gets to become ADs. You need to find what, what helps you be the best version of yourself. And that's what's going to help you ascend to whatever it is, whether it's AD or something beyond that. Um, I think that's the biggest mistake sometimes young people make is you're chasing something. You're chasing somebody else's path. You got to have your own path. And, and what you got to do is find what you're talented, what you have a natural gift of doing that, that helps you continue to learn and grow and enjoy that process. Because if you're doing something that either you're not as gifted in or is not as enjoyable, you're not going to stay with it. It's just it's just going to peter out. So, um, you know, I, I try to think about, you know, what are jobs or opportunities that allow my natural gifting uh, that I have to, that helps that shine through and, and, and continue on that way. You've got your professional side of Martin, right? And then there's the personal side of Martin. And, and how does the personal side of Martin continue to, to grow? What are, what are things that you're focusing on just as a person uh, to get better each, each and every day? Yeah, I mean, it starts with my family. You know, I, I've got a, a beautiful wife and three little girls, seven, five, and three. And, um, you know, how do you be a, a better dad, a better husband? How do you give more, you know, love? Talk about time. How do you give more time? So one of the things that I'm trying to really focus on is, is how, how do I manage, um, how do I make the time that I am able to spend with my family more meaningful? You know, I have a seven-year-old that's just played soccer for the first time this year. And I'm, and I'm thinking about, you know, she has an interest in softball and basketball, but has never played. You know, what does that look like? Is that on a weekend, on a Sunday where I don't have a game that I take her down to the park and, and get a basketball in her hands? You know, uh, what, are, what are some of the things? Or is it, is it really she, she loves dancing and singing? You know, should I ask her to put on a little mini concert for me and, and have, her, have her perform? You know, and that's a way of connecting. So I, I'm thinking more about how do I best connect 
Because again, connection, connectivity, I think it's really important when you talk about um, wanting to be the best version of yourself. How do I connect with other people? And so um, I'm thinking about ways that, that I can connect with, with my girls and, um, and, just, and just really take advantage of the time because it goes so fast, you know? And, and there's only so many hours in a day. Energy management. How do you manage your energy? What do you choose to give energy to? Most importantly, what do you choose not to give energy to? Because I've got to make sure I don't give energy to certain things. So by the time I do get home and see, see my girls and be around my family, I've got the energy that, that they need from their dad. So, um, you know, it's life. We're all trying to figure it out. You know, you just try to get better and learn uh, every day. Uh, I love just the the humanistic aspect of it, right? It's like we're all people. We're all, we're all trying, people, man. We're all we're all trying to survive and thrive, and and you know, as as you said, live live your best life, right? But at the end of the day, uh, learn from others, you know, yeah. and, and some blaze a path that you can, you know, admire and or learn from. But but you you draw your own, um, you know, and and that's something that you've done obviously really well and. Uh, we'll, we'll wrap up with uh, rapid fire. You ready? Sure. Sure. Okay. Favorite place, court street. Pigskin. Ooh. Are you a ping pong player? Yes. All right. Love it. Um, position in basketball that you would have played if you could have played a different position. Shooting guard. Everybody cool. wants to be MJ, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. It's all about the shooting guard, man. Did you get the NJ <laughs> growing up? Is that is that part of it? No, I just I just think that I, I just you you emulate the shooting guard because there've been so many great ones. If there's a sport that you could play in college, what would it have been if it wasn't basketball? Ooh, you mean what I'd like to have talent to be able to play? Yeah, yeah. Um. That is a great question. Like I, I played baseball in college. I would have loved to be a college golfer. Like that would have been. Uh, yeah. You know what? Um, I played baseball in high school. I'd probably say baseball. I enjoyed baseball. Pitcher, outfielder. What it would. Outfield, center field. Okay. Yeah. Fast out there. All right. Uh, favorite stadium you've been to in the professional setting. We, we won't make you lean on your college bias here. Uh, favorite stadium I've been to. Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I don't want to have recency bias, but I, 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 you know, I went to, uh, I went to the Super Bowl in SoFi Stadium. Um, that was, that was a cool experience. <laughs> uh, my right. stadium is pretty cool yeah campus, campus you have not worked at that would be your favorite to go to as a student Ooh. man that's a great question uh like growing up in north carolina did you always dream of going to Duke, UNC, NC State, was that, was that a? No, no, that wasn't, that wasn't a dream. No, not at all. Um, you know, I, I'll say this, I, a beautiful campus that I, that I went there last year, we played football there, that I just walked around campus before the game, Colorado, that was beautiful. 
So oh. I, I take I say University of Colorado. That was that was I could see having fun here as a student. <laughs> if, Boulder. They've got, they've got some great, great, uh, great mountains there. Just I mean, yeah, incredible, incredible, incredible setting. All right, last one for you. Favorite class. Think back to school. Favorite class. Oh, uh, I did a, I did a, oh, you mean in grad school or undergrad? Grad school. Grad school. I did an accounting kind of, I don't, I don't know if it was even a class. It was like a module that Dr. David Kirch did, uh, where he, he, you know, he's in accounting, but he also talked about the stock market and equities. And that was fascinating to me. That's, that's what got me, uh, into the market, quite honestly, is that, that class uh, under under Dr. Kirch um, and accounting and, and equities in the markets. Love, Love that it. class. Lessons from Martin, so appreciate it. Uh, thanks for the insights, the perspective, sharing your journey uh, with us on the Ohio University Sports Ad Series on Life in the Front Office podcast. Thanks, Martin. All right, thanks, Jake. Appreciate it. Thanks, Laura. Thanks for listening to the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And remember, if you like this episode or you like the Life in the Front Office podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Really appreciate you tuning in and stay tuned for the next one.